two gays watch a movie with Aaron Holman and Zachary Landalt. <laughs> I think that works. Hi, I'm your host, Aaron Holman. And I'm your other host, Zachary Landolt. And today, in honor of Halloween, we are watching Hereditary. Hereditary is a 2018 American horror film that was written and directed by Ari Aster. It stars Tony Collette, Alex Wolf, Millie Shapiro, Anne Dowd, and Gabriel Byrne. Anne Dowd was good in this. Yes. Hereditary premiered on January 21st, 2018 in the midnight section at the 2018 Sundance Film Festival and was theatrically released in the United States on June 8th, 2018. It was a critical and commercial success, <laughs> making over 18 million on a $10 million budget to become 80 the million. grossing. I'm drunk. I'm not yet, but we'll get there. All right. It was a critical and commercial success, making over 80 million on a $10 million budget to become the highest grossing film worldwide for film company A24. Hereditary tells the story of a miniatures artist, Annie Graham, who lives in Utah with her husband, Steve, their 16-year-old son, Peter, and their odd and reserved 13-year-old daughter, Charlie. At the funeral of her secretive mother, Ellen Lee, Annie delivers a eulogy explaining their complicated relationship. My mother was a very secretive and private woman. She had private rituals, private friends, private anxieties. It honestly feels like a betrayal just to be standing here talking about her. A week later, Steve's informed that Ellen's grave has been desecrated, and Annie thinks she sees an apparition of Ellen in her workshop. At a support group for people grieving a family loss, Annie reveals that the rest of her family suffered from mental illness that resulted in their deaths, and Ellen was a significant figure in raising Charlie. She's completely manipulative, until my husband finally enforced a no-contact rule, which lasted until I got pregnant with my daughter. I didn't let her anywhere near me when I had my first, my son which is why I gave her my daughter, who she immediately stabbed her hooks into. Later, Annie's son Peter lies that he is going to a school event in order to actually attend a party, and Annie forces him to take Charlie with him. While mm -hmm. unsupervised, as Peter goes off to get stoned with friends, <gasps> Charlie eats cake containing nuts, to which she's allergic and falls into anaphylactic shock. As Peter drives her to the hospital, she leans out of the window for air. When he swerves to avoid a dead deer, she's decapitated by a telephone pole. <laughs> In utter shock, Peter silently drives home and leaves his sister's corpse in the car for their mother to discover the next morning. As the family grieves following Charlie's funeral, tensions rise between Annie and Peter. Okay, so fine, then say what you want to say then. Peter. I don't want to say anything. I tried saying okay things. so try again release yourself oh release you you mean yeah fine release me just say it just fucking say it don't you swear at me you little shit don't you ever raise your voice at me i am your mother that's a lot and such a good movie 
Annie is befriended by a support group member, Joan, and they form a connection over their mutual grief. Annie tells her that she used to sleepwalk and recounts an incident in which she woke up in Peter's bedroom to find herself, Peter, and Charlie covered in paint thinner with a lit match in her hand. After Annie runs into her randomly outside a store, an excited Joan invites her back to her apartment to show her something very important. It's when they are at Joan's that she reveals she learned how to connect with her deceased and they perform a seance together. Annie is freaked out and leaves, but not before Joan gives her the instructions. Read this out loud, every syllable, very carefully. Sorry, why? What is it? I don't know what language it is. The medium had me read it first. It's to make things start. But remember, your whole family, every member needs to be in the house. Your son, everyone. Very important. Okay. Okay. Later, Annie convinces her family to attempt the seance. Objects begin to move and break, and Charlie seemingly possesses Annie until Steve douses her with water. Annie suspects that Charlie's spirit has become evil. She throws Charlie's sketchbook into the fireplace, but her sleeve also begins to burn. She retrieves it and heads to Joan's apartment for advice, but Joan is nowhere to be found. While outside Joan's, Annie notices that Joan's welcome mat resembles mats that her mother used to make for loved ones. She goes through her mother's possessions and finds a photo album linking Joan to Ellen and a book with information about a demon named Payman who wishes to inhabit the body of a male host. In the attic, Annie finds Ellen's decapitated body with strange symbols on the wall written in blood. At school, Peter slams his head against his desk, breaking his nose and is brought home. Annie shows Steve her mother's body and the sketchbook and begs him to burn the sketchbook so she can sacrifice herself to stop the haunting. I'm not going to do this with you anymore. What? No, 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 it's not helpful for you. You are sick, Annie. I need to call the police. Annie throws the book into the fireplace, Steve bursts into flames, and Annie is immediately possessed. Later, Peter wakes up only to find his father's body. Annie chases him into the attic, which is decorated with occult imagery. Levitating, a possessed Annie beheads herself with a piano wire as the naked coven members watch in the shadows of the attic. Peter jumps out the window. As he lies on the ground, a light enters his body and he wakes up. He follows Annie's levitating corpse into Charlie's treehouse, where Charlie's crowned, severed head rests atop a mannequin. Joan, the other coven members, and the headless corpses of his mother and grandmother bow to him. Joan addresses him as Charlie and swears an oath to him as payment, stating that he has been liberated from his original female host's body and is free to rule over them. You are payment one of the eight kings of hell. We have looked to the Northwest and called you in. We've corrected your first female body and give you now this healthy male host. The film ends with the coven chanting his name. Hail Paymon! Uh. 
oh my god this the movie. last the last 20 minutes of it is where it goes insane <sighs> yeah i forgot but, about the decapitation when did you uh so you're new to this movie because i remember I you've only seen this just recently mm-hmm. what yeah, did you think it. of it um i was shocked it was it was refreshing because i do love a lot of um horror films yeah. and a lot of scary things i like true crime out the wazoo and so there's very little that shocks me and what right. i loved about this movie is it was genuinely terrifying but it wasn't terrifying in any of those like typical jump scare ways yeah. um so honestly i love this movie and it's gonna stick with me for a long time yeah the first time i saw this because i saw it pretty i think i saw it the year it came out because i just i for, i love tony colette as mm-hmm. many homosexuals do yeah um, I'm obsessed with that woman and so just the fact that she was in it i was like well i'll go see that but then the trailer looked so good so i was very excited to watch it already and it was completely different than i thought it was going to be yeah that um, was something i heard about was that the trailer was very misleading to how mm-hmm. the movie itself ended up playing out it looked a little more like a a family drama a tight-knit thing yeah um and and that the um charlie character the younger daughter was going to be a much larger role than they ended up being well yeah i read that the director that was a very intentional choice of his that he wanted to Mm. trick the audience into thinking she was one of the main characters of the movie so that when she died because she dies very early in this movie and that was that's the thing um, I was I might have had a few drinks in me when I saw this <laughs> the first time so I was a little not there already and when she suddenly was decapitated I was like I don't know where this movie's going because I thought she was the lead <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't know like I thought it, like I was so confused that I remember thinking that was going to be a dream sequence for like five minutes and then the movie just kept going and I went oh so she actually got decapitated okay so that's real okay cool 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 mm. um, so yeah it was whew, it was a lot a lot yeah you know that's actually one of my favorite scenes because of how by surprise i was took because you know up into everything that i'd known about the movie i yeah expected the same thing i expected this to be our demon you know with the clicking noises and how uncomfortable that they blowing away yeah very true that's the thing she technically was (laughs) she was payment for a while there Mm -hmm. oh god and I, well, the other thing that really creeps me out about this movie, and they're actually, this is one of my favorite types of horror movies because they just get to me, are horror movies where you find out that almost everything in the movie was predestined for the person to go through. Like, they're, like, at the whim. Like, like I feel like Tony Collette and her entire family were doomed the second the movie started. And there was no, like outsmarting anything to like mm-hmm. not like they were their entire lives have been orchestrated orchestrated yeah i mean and one thing i found out that i i've seen this movie a lot so i don't need to watch it again because it's it's a lot of movie it's a lot of it is a lot it's a of lot film taken yeah um <laughs> but i read that if you watch the movie that you'll find cult members in all parts of the movie. Like apparently even one of his friends that he's smoking weed with under the bleachers is later one of the cult members that's bowing in the treehouse. Mm. So there's all, it's all these like people that, yeah, were positioned to like be close to the family in some way so they could monitor that everything was going the way it was supposed to. Mm-hmm. And that's just creepy. It is. 
when it is that giant sort of conspiracy thing around. You know, what it brought to mind for me was it brought to mind the movie The Village by M. Night Shyamalan. And it brought to mind even uh, The Sixth Sense from him, where it just like all the pieces came together. And that's what Mm. this movie did for me too, which makes the fact that it was Ari Aster's um, debut, directorial debut, unbelievable. What a masterpiece. That's insane. It's insane. And mm-hmm. it wasn't originally supposed to even be a horror movie. He was making it as a family drama. And then apparently the more he thought about the idea of there being some sort of a curse or like a, a paranormal level uh, part. Like a twist, plot, another layer. Know, like how, how that would be even creepier. So, oh God, yeah. Well, let's talk about the title of the movie because <laughs> it like it's, it's right there. Hereditary. Family. Uh, if the movie had started, if the movie had not been the horror film, if it had just been that family drama, then yeah. the hereditary things would have still been, what, their psychological, uh, the mental illnesses? Yeah. Well, because I that was said, real. Well, and I remember he said that one of the big themes he was exploring is the idea of trauma and how it can ultimately change someone like not for the good like, like like it can it can destroy people it can destroy people's psyche that's that's real that's some real shit mm-hmm. so yeah this could have been just i mean this thing if you take out all the demon and all the all of that which is very creepy yes this was just a movie about a, a poor son that killed his sister and then mm-hmm. didn't do anything like that could have been a whole movie i remember thinking at the time you know, even this demon said that could like not be here right now. We could just be following this insanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then it would have been like, um, I. It would have been so hard. I think it actually would have been harder to take and stomach if it had just oh. been like, you know, dealing with the aftermath of an accidental decapitation. We know what the sad thing is. I bet if this had just been a pretentious art house drama maybe tony colette would have been nominated for this movie which she was not Mm, which i I am still salty salty i'm salty (laughs) i agree tony colette what it felt like is she took everything from the united states of Terra and her ability to do those switches those sudden switches Uh, her, watching her be possessed in this movie oh, yeah. freaked me her out. Face, Those are my oh, favorite face, moments. Yeah. How gaunt she can look, like on command. She she goes from that normal to just boom. Oof, not to jump around like Tony Collette on the roof of the house, but oh my god, the end of the movie when she when <gasps> when he's oh my looking god, for I hate her it. and suddenly the camera like pans down and you see she's on the corner of the roof. I went oh. Like we were screaming in my house mm-hmm. when we saw this. <laughs> when she finally like flies down like a spider monkey, that was too much. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like I, I just I believe Tony Collette. She always gives herself fully to these roles, and oh man, he's I, great. Tony, she knocked it out of the park. Icon. Gay mm-hmm. icon, if you ask me. <laughs> and I don't even think she needed to win an Oscar for this, but the fact that she was not even nominated. Um, truly, well, that was the same year they didn't nominate Lapita Nyongo for us either. So they were just being um, biased towards horror movies. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, horror movies very rarely get any sort of, uh, I don't know, serious consideration. Which is dumb. It's really dumb. I think the last movie that really pulled it off was The Sixth Sense. 
Oh man, that's a long time ago. Yeah. And what's weird about that is to me, The Sixth Sense is very similar to this movie, like you said, mm-hmm. in the way that it deals with family dynamics. But Hereditary um, was far scarier. Well, in so, my yeah, opinion. for sure. For sure. Oh, for you sure. Know. But it's like similar the ideas of like blending the mundane day to day human interactions with really terrifying imagery. Well, what did what was the biggest other than her getting decapitated what was, the, <laughs> what was your other favorite like pivot in the movie like plot wise where you're just like <gasps> uh you know some of the moments some of the moments that made me gasp were not necessarily some of the big pivotal change uh-huh. moments but consider okay when they're sitting at dinner and the, i don't know they're all just talking yeah. and then tony collette switches into that mean that territory where she just says like you know i never wanted you to like be born you know and i planned on taking care of you and i just didn't and it was just like oh it was so vicious that um that that was a moment that made me gasp you know Uh, she's like i didn't want you i didn't want you yeah i couldn't imagine and then admitting she tried everything to like have a miscarriage. Correct. Uh huh. Chilling. That was one of those moments where I was sitting there going, "It may." And it's even making the hair stand up on uh, like my arm right now because it's one of those moments where I realized I'm not watching a normal horror movie. Well, you know? what's fascinating about that mm. is that in her brain, because she says she was like, "I was trying to save you," and it's almost like her internal instincts were telling her that if she had this child that they were doomed you know mm-hmm. it was like her her last <laughs> bit of her soul trying to protect her mm. from having it because she like knew instinctually that her brother had died her father had died suspiciously and there was the whole thing where she says that her brother said that um their mother was trying to put people inside of him like there's you know i i think she was she yeah but part of her knew bad things were to come and so that's why she even knew to keep her mom away when she had her son. Mm-hmm. What I'm wondering about that, though, is, yeah. okay, we're going into some spoiler areas with it. Oh, the whole show's a spoiler. We the told whole, the whole plot. Okay, so what I don't understand is Ellen was the leader of this cult, right? Or at least, like, I, I don't She was their she spiritual was, leader? I don't, I don't assume she will. I mean, I guess I don't know for sure. I didn't so much even think of her as a leader, but more as like, well, I guess technically a leader, but like, I think she was just someone that was orchestrating this huge payoff in the afterlife by providing the host body. Mm. And so I think she had sold her soul for some sort of... Um, Essentially just like becoming like a chosen, becoming yeah, like I think, the sacrifice. I feel like she sold her soul to have like riches and whatever in this life and the afterlife. And I feel like the last part of her journey was about reconnecting with her family so that she could make sure that the child would be available to be the host body. Mm. Yeah. Well, what I'm just not getting is if she was so involved in the cult and the cult is so encompassing, you know, look how many people are involved in it, you know, yeah. the, the from all the characters that are layered throughout to like the people that are in the shadows that you can barely yeah. see in some scenes, but they're there. Sure. Why, why did she not raise them in the cult? You know, the easiest way to uh, create well, a, a cult member is to just give birth to one, well, isn't it? Well, it sounds like from from the way 
their backstory sounds, again, I'm just mm-hmm. making my own interpretation. It sounds like she probably got into that cult after she was with her husband. Because, ah. because he did not, he, I mean, he literally starved himself so that he would die. So I think when he figured out what she was a part of and could tell that she was going to do some very um, dark, evil things to get what she wanted, that he, he was trying to check out. And then her son did the same thing when he committed suicide. Mm. Damn. So, yeah. It's dark stuff, y'all. It's dark it stuff. is. But like I said, what I love about it most is that it's not those typical just like uh, tense moments that build up and jump scare. You know, it's not yeah. something jumping out. It was just like a beautifully crafted tension yeah. that built, uh, built to a wonderful climax. Like I said, that last 20, 25 minutes is uh, a masterpiece worth you know the I- whole rest of the movie setting up to. Well, and do you know I never thought could be so terrifying? Hmm. Someone going, oh! I gotta tell you. Okay, so at the time when I saw this movie, I was dating my ex-boyfriend. And I remember we watched this movie, and he thought it was very funny after the movie was over to just lean over to my ear and just do the, you know. And I told him, I was like, if you do that noise when we're in bed later, and it's dark, and it's the middle of the night, I'm going to flip out on you. And he tried. He definitely tried. Um, and, and then he ran cute. into your cute. knife was, 10 it times. It was not cute. Oh, let me tell you, he would have had it coming. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, didn't they, the fucking little girl, so terrifying. And she was from like Matilda the Musical. What? Really? She was one of the girls that, yeah, once shared the Tony for um, Matilda. That's why I recognized her? I guess so. <laughs> All right, I'm such a musical theater queen. Yeah, that's that's where I recognize her from. That's so- like, oh, she's Matilda. Oh, <laughs> well, where's the dancing? Oh my god. Okay. Oh, so other thing that I was obsessed yes. with, I loved the slow build of Anne Dowd and and finding out her full involvement with everything. That Me was also too. brilliant. Me too. Besides Tony Collette, Ann Dowd was my favorite. She towed the line between, you know, I'm a support group woman and I'm here to help you. Right. Uh, and I'm here to just perfectly manipulate and did, you and get you set up. And it, she did it so perfectly because she didn't like immediately connect with Annie. She like Mm-mm. just saw her at the group. So that one day she go, oh, hey, I saw you at that group once. Oh, whatever. And then, yeah, tricks her Very into casual. thinking. Very casual. Right. And tricks her into thinking she's doing a general seance when really she's conjuring payment. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's fucking terrifying. Oh, and then when you find out the, oh, the, the yeah, the welcome mat thing, which she figures out. But can I say though? plot hole i'm gonna say plot hole because that welcome mat was at her place the first time she went there and i remember her going like hmm interesting and i just don't know why she wouldn't go well i guess she does say like oh nice nice welcome mat my mom used to make those i'm like your mom didn't just make those like she made ones that looked exactly like those i just (laughs) it was a little a, a tad convenient plot wise that's all i'll say yeah, I understand that. Just like one of those things where they're like, well, we just needed another like hint. Uh, <laughs> oh, so what was some of your scariest moments in this? Uh, something that really got me yeah. uh, towards the end when she's trying to destroy the journal, she throws it in and her arm catches fire. 
I, I don't know. I guess I have like a fear of respect for fire. <laughs> and I super love when she goes and gets the husband, brings him down and is like, look, I can prove it. I can prove it. Oh, and no. oh my God, I was not expecting it. She threw it in. Yeah, she was willing to burn for it. But then when he just lit up oh. and her face, it is stuck with me. I can literally see it right now. Her oh. just horror of like, ah, I killed him. Oh my God. And oh. then possession, immediately, boom. Fucking Ooh. possession. The thing it. I found creepiest about this movie, and let me tell you, there are reasons to go back and watch this movie again because look for all the hidden imagery that's in the entire movie. Mm. Because um, did you see the scene? Um, I'm not talking about when they're like in the house and stuff, but did you see the shot where it shows the outside of the house, like a big aerial shot of the house, and there were just all these cult members naked in the woods around the house? Yes. Oh. Yes. Like far out in the woods. Yeah. And they're just there. It's a, it's a flash, but you suddenly see it. They're like all around the house. I caught that. And because it, it was my first time watching the movie, but I was yeah. trying to watch it very critically. And yeah, so yeah. I caught that. And I also caught, um, I was very quick to catch on to, I saw the recurring symbol. Oh, the God. Oh, same, same. Like, I did not miss When they that zoomed angel. in on her necklace at the funeral, I was like, so that's important. I went, there's the symbol. Yeah. And I was that's like, the symbol. This, but that's the one. Uh, pointed it out to my partner and he was annoyed with me by the time. By the time I pointed it out on like the pole, mm-hmm. like, I was the like, pole. yeah, there was a, there's one on uh, one of the um, uh, telephone lines. Oh, yeah, the telephone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's like, the- well, everything is orchestrated. Now, did you have any unintentional laughs in this movie? Because I did. <laughs> I don't know if I had um, too terrible big of laughs. Where, where did a, you laugh? I had a, I had an inappropriate laugh is what I had. <laughs> I, I mean, I cackled. Cackled when I first saw this. When she is making a miniature, and you're like, oh, what's she making there? And then the camera, like, pans out, and you see that she's making a miniature of her daughter's... <laughs> decapitated body by the pole and then her husband walks in looks at her looks uh, at the looks at the miniature and just goes what the fuck <laughs> like it's just like that's funny come on i really really liked the miniatures thing oh ooh, so creepy. i thought it was a great great detail i love the whole concept of like macro micro and things being the same um you know the the way that she orchestrated and the way that she processed things by like creating those models it's so awesome you can sit there and look at the way that the cult members cultivated you know the whole experience to to get what they wanted out of this family it was the same way Um, you know what i heard i heard that they built all of these sets um like a dollhouse like dollhouse style so that they could pull out walls and stuff for cameras so that they could make it like they could do the trick grave it looking they like. tried to they tried to copy it as close yeah 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 yeah, yeah. oh it well it worked really beautifully i thought uh do you want a little a little piece of trivia about this movie yeah so you know the scene where obviously the son slams his head into the desk yes very nine one one. so <laughs> In an interview, Alex Wolf, who who plays the son, 
explained that he wanted to actually break his own nose for the what scene. Where the his fuck? Kid, yeah. And the director and our guest was like, um, no. No. <laughs> We're going to give you a soft, like, cushioned desk for the scene. But he didn't know that there was still, like, a, the bo- like the bottom of it was hard. Like, it's still, like, a hard thing. So when he slammed his head into it, he dislocated his jaw. Oh my! So he got to God. get injured. So he and it's the shot that's in the movie. So like, if it looks aggressive, it's because it is. Uh, because he also, he also thought it was going to be safe. Uh! He honestly, this kid, he's very talented. I will say that great actor. He sounds like a little bit of a method actor, like one of those guys. <laughs> like I want to do it for real because I'm a real actor, and you're like, it's acting. Like just fucking act like you. Yeah. Broke he your nose. wanted to break his nose. Can you imagine? Is it okay if I actually break my nose for the scene? Like, and they're like, no, you can't break your nose. Wouldn't it be hilarious if that was like the first scene that they were shooting too? Could you He's imagine? Like, no. He's like, uh, we've got six more weeks of this. So <laughs> like, no. Oh well, pff, do you want to know some trivia about that? I would. They made this movie in thirty-two days. Oh my god. Isn't that insane? It's really insane. Very impressive. People that don't realize that's short. That's a that's short. Any shorter than 60 is very fast. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, it was his first movie. So I'm like, damn, dog. Okay. Well, he just came ready to work. And also, it's a big credit to um, we haven't really talked about it, but like the casting was just so perfect for this entire film. Every single person uh, was, I mean, they were all wonderful together the chemistry was perfect do you want to hear something funny yeah the son uh alex wolf and peter not peter uh gabriel gabriel Byrne. gabriel Byrne. I, he's not my type of actor if you know what i mean mm-hmm. i don't so i don't watch things with gabriel Byrne. <laughs> <laughs> they played father and son in something else like uh, six years before this so it's kind of like oh you again hmm so what if it's they had such good chemistry you. they had such good chemistry Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Tony Collette can just work anything. Oh and Anne Dowd, I just uh, Anne Dowd to me, I call her the other Margot Martindale because I feel like they're right for all the same parts. I don't know. Yeah, is that, is that offensive? It just I, they give me the same vibe as actors. Well, uh, but Anne Dowd was serving me in this. She gave me some Kathy Bates, is what I was getting. Oh, from for her. sure. That's this what I was Kathy up Bates on. part too. Yeah. Uh huh. The. the what got it for me was uh, when they were in like the parking lot at oh, the God. grocery store and she's just talking to her, but she's like manhandling her the whole time. Oh, yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, in that moment, I just, it was like, Kathy Bates. That's Kathy Bates, also, right? She does this brilliant thing where she, and I was like, you know, I would buy that when, when she's telling her what happened. She's like, I, I know what you're thinking, Annie. I would think that was crazy too. And then I was like, you are tricking her. You are reeling her in. Mm-mm, she was mm-mm, good mm-mm. at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or even, you know what else was a good scene? I mean, what? obviously there's like the infamous dinner, you know, table monologue that we'll be doing maybe later but the but the other part where she's convincing the family to do the seance when when charlie's voice starts coming out of her face Ew, I that was it. that to me that was my scariest moment that's where i went oh my god that is fucking terrifying mm. <laughs> which is like mom mom, <laughs> mom. i was like oh now 
she's that girl. She's like, mm-hmm. girl, I knew she was. <laughs> <laughs> That's so ridiculous. Leave me alone. Uh, well, it also is perfect to mention, you know, uh, I didn't know until we had started talking earlier today. I had figured out that this movie, it looked a lot like Midsummer, <laughs> And uh, that's Ari Aster wrote this um, or did that one right after this, right? Yeah, it was. He made Midsummer within like a year of this being out. That's crazy. Because Midsummer came out the next year. And I wow. think that's, an, and as much as I love this, I think that's an even more accomplished movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like stylistically, just I was impressed. Midsummer. I I really actually enjoyed Hereditary more than Midsummer. I probably liked. No, I, I think as a horror movie, I like this better. As an overall film, um, mm. just in terms okay. of the filmmaking, I would yeah. just give it to Midsummer. Yeah, I thought the cinematography did a lot of great work for Hereditary, oh, yeah. but I agree they really nailed. I think costume-wise, Midsommar. Well, like, just the whole world building of yeah, just all of that. There was it was. I was just like, shit, this is your second movie. Like, mm-hmm. get out of here. Keep making films about cults because I'm obsessed. Apparently, he has like ten screenplays like ready to go. Holy shit. Yeah, like he's like he's ready to like get to work. Mm, well, I'm yeah, excited. I know. Though I heard he doesn't want to do horror forever. I'm like, no. That's a shame. But uh at least he started with them. For sure. So where in terms of like newer horror movies, like from the last like 10 years, how would you rank this among like newer horror movies? Like in terms of it being scary, the quality, just overall everything. Uh, I think it's one of the better ones in, in the same. last few years. It definitely, honestly, it stands out into like at least the top like 20%. Oh, I of, definitely agree. Of, you know, I thought because it was so unique. And again, it doesn't and rely good. on the just things well that were done. tropes. Yeah, very well done. Polished. Scripts, like great acting, great, great acting. cinematography. I'm- Honestly, it's you realize, I mean, not to shit on the horror genre, but you really realize how bad the quality of the genre can be when a movie that just even has a solid script and like even just like solid acting feels like an infinitely better movie. Like I remember the first time I saw The Conjuring. Mm -hmm. I like The Conjuring, like don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's like a masterpiece or anything. But at the time I thought, wow, this is a great, and I do think it's a good movie, but at the time, I was like, this is a really well-made film in general, and it's like, no, it's, it's fine, but at the time, they heard, it just, I just could not remember the last time I actually saw, like, great performances and just even a plausible script. Mm-hmm. So I think the fact that he he is such a skilled filmmaker especially for being so young and so new and he just you could tell he thought about every detail of this yeah i'm super thrilled uh even if he doesn't want to continue doing horror i'm sure he'll you know he'll go horror adjacent he'll probably go to like a thriller next you know and then it'll be a dramatic thriller dramatic oh Oh, i hope he i hope he does something like oh i could see him making a movie like basic instinct or something like that oh please get you know 
I would love it. Oh, I would love that. No, be sickening. Me? They don't make the. Like, remember back in the day, they used to get like erotic fate, thrillers, like Ugh. Fatal Attraction. Yes, um, Fatal Attraction. Like, the hand that rocks the cradle. Like I just, I, I want more of those. Give me more. I of do those. too. Give I, me sex and murder. I love a femme fatale. <laughs> Ari Aster, I know you're listening. So like, mm, there's Please. some ideas. Just give us Fatal Attraction too. <laughs> so shall we move uh, into our two gays acting segment oh my okay are do you, you ready want me to introduce it or do yes, you yes please you you're better at this oh stop it so for this week's two gays acting aaron and myself will be playing the same character we oh, will shit. be joint <laughs> joint performing we're the... actually attached at the hip uh, yeah um <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, we will be we will be joint performing the infamous dinner table monologue performed by Tony Collette as Annie towards the end of this film. A monologue that uh, went viral this year when there was a group. Um, you know how they do the oh, all of you say a different lyric of the song or a different, like, line of this poem, like, blah, 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 blah. They yeah. did that with this monologue, and it was... No shit. You should look it up. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty that amazing. sounds awesome. Let me tap into my most toxic, angry, bitter. 45 I'm about to get one. real unstable. And mm. <laughs> being butch. <laughs> Are you ready, Aaron? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, let's act and be gay and seen. Don't you swear at me, you little shit. Don't you ever raise your voice at me. I am your mother. You understand? All I do is worry and slave and defend you. And all I get back is that fucking face on your face. So full of disdain and resentment and always so annoyed. Well, now your sister is dead, and I know you miss her, and I know it was an accident, and I know you're in pain, and I wish I could take that away for you. I wish I could shield you from the knowledge that you did what you did, but your sister is dead. She's gone forever. And what a waste. If it could have maybe brought us together or something. If you could have just said, I'm sorry, or faced up to what happened. Maybe then we could do something with this. But you can't take responsibility for anything. So now I can't accept. And I can't forgive. Because, because nobody admits to anything they've done. Ah. Mine became Joan Crawford. <laughs> you know, I noticed Cheetah, that. Damn <laughs> I noticed that and I was not unhappy at all. I was like, oh, fun. Can you please do mommy dearest? <laughs> oh, fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> you have no idea. All the acting, the acting opportunities. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Uh, well, Aaron, just like we do at the end of every episode, it is time to measure the movie we've watched today on our very scientific, highly intelligent gayometer. Gay! We rate the movie on a scale of one to ten. One being the most straight. And ten being the most gay. I believe it was the great American painter Bob Ross who said, 
The key to a swollen vagina is courage. Or to put it in terms for this film, one is leaving your sister alone at a party to smoke weed with a hot girl, and 10 is having a mother who withholds affection. Ooh, that's pretty gay. <laughs> Relatable. Relatable content. Would you like to go first? You know, um, I will go first, because right. I've done the tallying. Very, okay. very uh, official. I'm You're typing the it notes. in. Uh-huh, putting it in the calculator now. Mm-hmm. And it looks rounding, like... Rounding the, the, the numbers off. Oh, math. I, I'm not a mathematician. So math. <laughs> I'm not a mathematician. I'm not a mathematician. Uh, but it does look like to me that this movie, mm, oh. a very tepid two. I think this movie two. is this movie's two. And you know why it's a two? Because it only has two main male characters. The cult's led by a woman, and there's only the dad. There's only the son. The son's a little too young for me to find hot, and the dad's just not hot. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, there's no man candy. There's no man candy. And like, I mean, like the demon payment. Yeah. We never see him. So I don't know how yeah. big is he hot. Is. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he's hot. So um, <laughs> I'm going to go with two. It's a tepid two. A tepid, tepid two. A tepid two. Interesting. Okay, I'm taking a that. A tepid two, yeah. I'm okay. just feeling my oats. Okay, I'm taking that information in, and we're going to here. We're going to carry yeah, okay. the one, and we're going to subtract. Okay, so I'm going to take into account. I think Tony Collette's mere presence makes us at least a three. Mm. I will say you take Tony Collette plus mommy issues oh. plus miniature dolls and <laughs> little. miniature models i'm going to give this a four wow four lovely lovely okay well aaron any last thoughts on this film before we wrap things up if you haven't seen hereditary yet then i don't know what you're doing here but um in case you haven't seen it in a while do yourself a favor watch it it's perfect for a day like today, this lovely Hallow's Eve Eve. Also, if you are in a place where it is legal for you to smoke some weed with us, I would say uh, do that. Absolutely. Do that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, do that. Please. <laughs> well, Aaron, where can they find us on social media? On social media! Uh, I am... Oh, social media. Um, I am at a whole human on almost everything. And if I'm not at a whole human, then it's um, probably Aaron Holman. Mm. So you gotta find me. Aaron, a whole. If you man. don't, I don't want you to find me. Oh, he wants you to. Oh, find him. Yeah, I bet you can find him. Listen, you can find him. Yeah. He's a yeah. whole human. Mm-hmm. It's like Pinocchio. He's a whole boy. Shut up. <laughs> and you can. <laughs> That was terrible. Leave me alone. (laughs) And you can find me at Zachary with no H on Instagram. And you can follow the pod at Two Gays Watch a Movie on Instagram and at Two Gays Watch on Twitter. And we also have a Facebook group. So there's just all sorts of ways to get in touch with us. Mm. Well, Aaron, this has been a spooky time and I want to wish you a happy Halloween. Happy Halloween! Mom!